Hello everybody and welcome to Volume 4, Issue 165 of the Cane and Rinse Podcast. You can play along with Cane and Rinse Volume 4. Our upcoming games include Chrono Trigger. Good luck getting that done if you haven't started before the next issue is out. Then it's Silent Hill Origins, Wolfenstein, the 2009 flavour, Sleeping Dogs and Dragon's Dogma after that. Uh, head to canorince.com for the full schedule. The blog, of course, and links to our merchandise stall. Facebook page, Google Plus thing, and YouTube channel. We also nowadays have another podcast for you to check out. Uh, it's called Sound of Play, and it's dedicated to our love of video game musics. Uh, there are nine of those out now, um, and there'll be a tenth shortly. Please review, rate, and most importantly, do subscribe to both of our podcasts on iTunes. Uh, It really helps us out. Now, joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, Darren Gargette. Hey! And welcome back to popular guest, Dan Clark. Hey, thanks for having me back. You're very welcome. Uh, Unusually, this is a Sega... um, Not a Sega thing. This is a Nintendo thing. Um, and, And proving that you're... You know, you're you're multifaceted uh, and um, multilingual, and not just, you know. Yeah, I take a sort of a non-discriminatory approach to yeah. to the retro world, matching our matching our own philosophy. So, Dan, uh, WarioWare. We're talking today about just the first two WarioWare games, and actually, it's sort of one and a half games in a funny sort of mm. way. But um, I'll go into why we're only doing that and not the whole series, as we have done with some things later. Uh, Dan, did you buy Game Boy Advance WarioWare Inc. Um, back in 2003, or has it been a more recent development? Yeah, I think I got it very close to launch, maybe like the second week or so. Yeah. Um, I was having a look to see if there were any other releases around that time that, um, that would sort of jog my memory as to when I got it, but um, I can't figure it out, but it's very early on. I was um, really excited about it. The Game Boy Advance was my first Nintendo console that I'd bought new. Ah, okay. Everything else I'd caught up a few years later, like the SNES, the N64, I'd got, say, in the late 90s when they were kind of on their last legs anyway. Um, but the, yeah, the GBA, I sort of jumped in uh, feet first, and then I got a GameCube on launch day, so was reading all the magazines at the time, and then WarioWare just sounded like, almost like it was um, specifically tuned for my likes, mm. do you know what I mean? I've got a very low attention span, it had quite a Sega <laughs> look to it, and um, I don't know, just sort of very bright and colourful and odd, and... Mm and quirky it, um, it tempted me from the start and then um, I don't think I would have needed the reviews to buy it but as soon as they started coming in and it sort of confirmed that yes this is something quite special uh, yeah I bought it almost straight away and, uh, and got myself very very lost in it yeah so it doesn't it's not a game that takes particularly long time to uh, see the end credits roll you can kind of bash through it in a few hours but uh, after that there's still quite a lot more to do things to unlock high scores to get um, and we'll talk about about that sort of stuff Darren Gargett, um, mm. did you? Maybe you even imported this. I don't know. Um, no, I don't think I did. I do recall this being quite short after the GBASP uh, release. That's right. And yep. this was big in the magazines. I think I was reading either NOM or N64 magazine at the time, and I think they they covered other Nintendo products. And every time I read this game, read about this game, excuse me, I couldn't understand the premise. I've never heard of anything quite like it before. And I know we're going to talk about some mini game games in a minute mm. but this one just sounded like it was so in my head I couldn't really picture and even when I try and explain it to people now how to play WarioWare for the first time yeah. I can't really explain it to anyone so when I was reading it like 
It's five. It's loads of five-second mini games. What does that even Micro mean? Micro <laughs> games. Indeed. That's the distinction that we need to make. Yeah. They're tinier than mini. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, um, and every time I was reading about this, I couldn't comprehend how how to play it, and that only fueled my, you know, my um my you know, my eagerness to play it. I was like, right, I've got to get this day one. You know, it was it had had Wary on the front anyway, so I was kind of invested just purely based on old you know my old ways of Nintendo fanboys and. Uh, so yeah, I was feet first, GBASP, probably played it under my duvet at some point with the uh, right and yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got a GBASP uh, soon after they launched. I skipped the uh, original model of GBA because I played a friend's and it was ridiculous. You couldn't see it. You, hmm. you, I mean, I just, I still to this day don't understand how people played that thing. I know you could, you could just about arrange uh, a situation where if you had a little, you know, uh, a, li- a little angle poised lamp that clipped on the top of it, you could see the screen <laughs> and stuff like that. The but, worm light. Yeah, That's worm weird. light. Yeah, I played with one of those, <laughs> and and all these. Yeah, it was, it was just insane. Um, yeah, and the GBASP was front-lit originally. They, they did mm. the later do a back-lit version, which I kind of wish I'd managed to get hold of one. I think it was... I don't think it came to, to Europe, but front-lit was... Um, you look at it now and it looks kind of washed out and it's a bit it's a bit sort of glaring. You can see the bulb literally lighting the front of the screen. <laughs> but, uh, but at the time, it made all these fantastic um, GBA games that had previously been all but inaccessible. Um yeah, you you could play them. Um, so a few months after that, I got WarioWare. Um, yeah, I think it was soon after launch. Paid full price for it. I remember I associate it very fondly with um, moving in with my girlfriend, um, who is still my girlfriend. Same girlfriend from 2003. And um, yeah, I still it's one of those nostalgic, odd associations. WarioWare and moving in. <laughs> you know, you know how you get these things with games. I got all these weird ones, but. Um, did you bond over versus Dong Dong? <laughs> I don't think... I, I'm not even sure. Well, she definitely joined in with the GameCube version, which we'll talk about later. Um, yeah, I remember showing showing WarioWare, but um, I think I had similar uh, things running up to it as, as, as you guys, which is that reading about it, it was hard to imagine. It's hard to mm-hmm. imagine playing two or three seconds of a game and then moving on. It's it's less hard to imagine now because we've been doing it for more than a decade. But um, but I, that sort of brings us on to the history because, um, as I say, there is there is a key distinction I think between mini games and micro games because mini games generally, uh, you know, they can even last a fair amount of time. It, a mini mm-hmm. game might be defined by the fact that it's a game where you have. Um, umpteen different sections different screens uh, to the game for something like Lazy Jones on a Commodore 64 um, and these sort of mini game you wouldn't have necessarily called them compilations some of them were um, definitely go way way back to the 8-bit days there are numerous um, type of this type of game um, too many to mention but you could even you could even sort of embrace uh, things like the Activision Decathlon which obviously gave way to Daily Thompson's Decathlon the Epics game series obviously that that was a set of individual games with different controls um, then there were oddments like Fiendish Freddy's Big Top of Fun Herbert's Dummy Run Wiz and Liz and gosh many many more hmm. um, but we reckon, uh, and this is, uh, I, I was previously hitherto completely unaware of this, uh, this tranche um, until Dan pointed me in the direction the other day. So people will 
I'm sure remember, a number of our listeners will remember uh, Bonanza Brothers, the Sega game with sort of, what would you call that um, that style of graphics? They were sort of... Um, it's sort of faux, uh, faux rendered, isn't it? I yeah. Mm. What was the, what, they look like rendered sort of, gra- graphics, but they are sprites. Yeah, they used to um, call it go-round shading or whatever. But it, yeah, it looks like go-round shading, yeah. but... Um, I don't know if it was originally models it. that were, but I think it's too early for it to be that, yes. isn't it? Yeah, I think it was a, it was a stylistic choice. So that was a, a Sega, um, one of Sega's in-house teams um, game. Um, was on the uh, was at the arcade, came to uh, Mega Drive, and also was ported by I can't remember who to um, eight and sixteen bit computers. And that was pretty much it for Bonanza Brothers in the West, um, by and large. But it turns out uh, there was a spin-off series in Japan called Puzzle and Action. Do tell us more. Yeah, so um, these games... An- another odd similarity with these and WarioWare is that it's kind of the, the naughty guys of the, uh, mm. of, of the, the stable of characters. That's right. Like, they were criminals. Uh, Bonanza Brothers they? were burglars. Yeah, yeah so... Mm-hmm. Um, the first one was Tantar, which I believe was 1992, I think. Yeah. Um, and that's only got 16 mini-games. But... Um, Again, they reference other Sega games, like some are based slightly on um, is it Baku Baku Animal um, yep. and things like that. So it is giving nods to Sega's past. Um, and they're, they're slightly longer than, say, the, the micro games in WarioWare, but not by much. I think that you've got like sort of 10 or 15 seconds. Mm. So, again, these very sort of short chunks of gameplay. And some of them are very similar to games we would see over a decade later in WarioWare. Yeah, remarkably similar. Like, I can't remember, is the stopwatch game mm. in the original? I know it's in a couple of the WarioWare games, but. And again, that's the kind of thing you're going to come yeah. up with as a mini game, I imagine. Yeah, stop a stopwatch between of one time and another. Yeah, yeah, within a win- small window. Yeah, uh, but then the um, you know the incongruity, incongruity. Yeah, what's the incongruity. word? Incongruity. Incongruity yeah, yeah. of the graphics yes. in the WarioWare series. That's kind of echoed in the uh, in the puzzle. Yeah, and the styles well. are all over the place. There's no necessarily not a consistent art style or or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, like sometimes you get like a little bit of claymation looking. Yeah game or something which again you get in, in WarioWare uh, and there were three of these games they're, they're worth a little look um, only one of them is available in English in its original state that's Ichidan R which is the second one um, that's got a lot more games in it uh, and yeah that's worth a, a funny little look um, but then if anyone's got that do you remember there was this I think it's called the Sega Classics Collection on PS2 mm. a very uh, misleading name if ever I've seen one that was the sort of um, we. I worked out we were trying to work out I was trying to work out which one you were referring to but that was the one that was kind of bodged together from bits of the Sega t- 2500 series in Japan um, Sega Ages remakes yeah so it's like the 3D remakes of like Golden Axe and Outline yeah. and what have you some, some um, are more got... successful than others yeah I mean there's, there's a couple that aren't too bad but yeah the uh, it didn't have an overall good, uh, good um, what's the word, reception. No. Um, but then it's quite a decent version of what they've done is they've uh, shoved together Tantar and Ichidan R's minigames into one larger version of Tantar. Um, they've made the games last a bit too long and what have you, but it's the kind of thing that people might have sitting around at home yeah. that they haven't even bothered to try out. So, yeah, if you've got that, give it a little look. Is that the one that was known as Treasure Hunt over here? Is that Or is that a separate... Uh, no, Treasure Hunt is the third right. one in the series, which is available on the Saturn in Japan ah, as well. Okay. That was on the um, STV hardware, I think it is. Oh, yeah, okay. The same as um, Dick Athlete and um, uh, Winter Heat. No. Yeah. Winter Heat? Is that what it was called? Yeah, Winter Heat it was. The Dick Athlete was the first one, or, or Athlete Kings, and then... Winter Heat was the wintery, winter-themed follow-up. That um, The third game in the Puzzle and Action series, Treasure Hunt, is possibly, if you look up a, a video, I mean, it's going to be harder to find a 
copy of, I suppose, nowadays, being Saturn and quite an obscure arcade mm. board. Um, but that one, I think, probably got the closest links with Wario in that, again, the, the graphic design just goes here, there, and everywhere in a, in a much uh, broader style than it, it did previously. Right. But yeah, give them a little look on YouTube or something like that. You'll be like, oh, I'm not saying they're a precursor, as in they were an influence on, but they were. An I don't know. I suppose there is, but they yeah, there be. is a line, isn't there? Like those, and then say uh, bishy bashy and what have you. Yeah, yeah, um, lead up. Yeah, and you can emulate the early ones on uh, on Mame or uh, Sega Mega Drive emulation. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah. As uh, as has been pointed out, there is also. Um, there was a long-standing tradition of, uh, and and which still continues um, very much now. The, now to the point that they're re-releasing them um, individually for purchase on the 3DS uh, eShop. Kirby, uh, Kirby's mini games mm. and sub games. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't. I'm not intimately familiar with every Kirby because there's so many of them. But certainly, all the ones I remember have normally have a couple of really sort of silly little games like a button bashing game um, mm. but sometimes you'll have uh, an entirely separate mm. mode and, and recently in uh, was it in Triple Deluxe they had a little mm-hmm. sort of mini version of Smash and that's now been re-released as a as a separate game and mm. so on yeah it's quite good that uh, mini game in um, Kirby's Triple Deluxe it is like a, a like a Smash Lite if you, if you like mm. um, it's also got Diddy's Drum Dash, which is kind of like a yeah. rhythm action game. Um, but th- those never really held my attention because I was too busy playing the, the main yeah. game. But yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, like, like you say, a long running tradition for Kirby games to have these weird kind of like side mini games that, um, it's kind of very typical of how Labs and, you know, Sakurai to just boost their games with just so much content that you don't really know what to do with it all. It's quite interesting to see they've released them separately on the store. They must have a lot of faith in them. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and I mean, it's certainly... Uh, who knows if we'll ever get round to doing any Kirby... Uh, any more Kirby, I should say, on Kane and Rince, because we, we have done one Kirby game on Kane and Rince, Kirby's Epic Yarn. Um, who knows if we'll ever come back to it. But certainly I would recommend Kirby fans uh, seek out uh, the fun pack or the, the deluxe six-pack of, of Kirby games on the SNES, which you can play on uh, Virtual Console, SNES Wii U, which is great. Um, another influence I thought of... Um, is possibly point blank or gun bullet mm. gunvari um obviously it's a light gun game uh, and it's by namco but um some of those games are absolutely like literally one or two seconds long like the shooting mm-hmm. the falling leaf one uh, <laughs> remember yeah. stays in my head i i adored those games and there's something that i really miss um i had the japanese imported triple pack which also included time crisis for um ps2 but you can't play it on modern tvs you need a cathode ray tube um, to play it so um, and, and playing it with the stylus on the DS is just not the same but I thought no. that I thought there may be a through line there and then uh, I'm not sure which came first I think Gun Bullet was 94 and the first Bishy Bashy game was a couple of years later um, yeah I think it's 96 for the first Bishy Bashy and that's Konami and I remember the first time I saw WarioWare um, I immediately thought of Bishy Bashy Special which was yeah. the one that we're probably most familiar with over here Um really similar ideas the games again probably slightly longer on average but some of them like the tilting um, tilting the thing until it drops to the bottom uh, the fact that there's no consistent art style the fact that it shouts mental things at you the fact that the <laughs> the music is completely off the wall uh, you can launch uncles onto a platform uncle launcher uh, <laughs> oh my yeah, God. What, why not it is very wary yeah. um esque you know I mean, there must be some sort of inspiration from that game and 
that's where I first found out, you know, that's where I first discovered mini game or micro games, you know, that, that kind of genre. Yeah. On the PlayStation One with Point Blank and Bishi Bashi. And, um, th- when I was reading about Warrior in the magazines, that's definitely where my mind went to. But yeah, uh, Bishi Bashi, I, I still put it on every now and again to this very day. If I could play Point Blank now, I would. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've got, uh, anyone can get Bishi Bashi on, um, PS3 or, and play it on Vita. Um, works really well. It's lovely on Vita, uh, but you need to mm. be able to remember what color the buttons were on the original PlayStation. <laughs> yes. Oh, no, yeah. Yes. Very true. Uh, yeah. That, I mean, it, it, that turned into a multi game series at the arcades. I, I, like everyone over here just knows Bishi Bashi Special, which was a compilation of two of the arcade games, but the, it carried on in Japan until 2009, so in the way that things do. Um, and then I suppose there's Mario Party uh, could mm. be relevant. Um, and I, I, my thought is I don't know how you two feel about this. By the time WarioWare, the first Made in Wario, came about in 2003, Mario Party had been around for half a decade. And it was already getting to the point where they'd been, they'd already made like three or four, three, four by, by this point. And it was already getting to the point where people were becoming quite critical of the massively slow pace of Mario Party. Mm, um, and also the luck based element. And WarioWare reminds me in some ways of. of a Mario Party with mm. everything speeded up by a million times and all the luck ta- taken out of it. Yeah, well, Mario Party Four was out by this time. By it was out by at least half a year. Yeah. I think people were tired, and Mario Party Four is infamously the most boring of them all. <laughs> so I think everyone was at an all-time low for Mario-based mini games, micro games. You know, and so when WarioWare came out, it was such a you know a shot to the system. It was kind of like. You didn't really know what to expect, like we said, but yeah, the fact that it was the complete opposite uh, of Mario Party 4 in terms of pacing was, you know, was a, was a wild card. In researching this podcast, and actually, you know, this is the, one of the reasons I wanted to to keep this down to uh, just the early Wario, earliest Wario wears, is because I wanted to delve into this rich history. Um, and another one that came up again that I really had no idea about until looking into this. There's a game called. Um, well, I can't work out whether it's called Groove Hell Five or uh, Hell's Groove Station. Now I don't know if they're if they're exactly the same thing or one is a variant of the other, but um, forgive me, I don't know. I didn't know about this game, but the reason that came about that was on the PS One and it came out in um, two thousand or something. I'm not sure. It's a, it's a while ago on the PlayStation One anyway. But if, some years later, uh, the same developers followed it up with a game called Bito Hell Two Thousand. Uh, which came to the West. Uh, I don't think it ever came out in Europe. In fact, it only came out in America, but it's known as WTF, amusing acronym, Work Time Fun. Uh, And I remember them talking about this on Giant Bomb many years ago. Um, Mm. It was already getting on a bit, even at that point. Um, Came out in 2005 in Japan, 2006 in America. And um, yeah, having had a look at it, it's again, that same sort of thing. You've got, um, a, a sort of um, a widespread of very small short games with um, huge spread of graphic styles and things like that um, but I never did play it sadly so uh, Incredible Crisis yes Dan another uh, another interesting uh, yeah I just thought of it as we were talking because yeah, yeah. um, Wario's got the, that idea of a sort of journey through the city yes. if you know what I mean with the change of characters going through the, the narrative and then I suddenly thought Incredible Crisis almost has that 
going for it. I know the the mini games in Incredible Crisis are um, sort of more themed to the the game itself, to the story going on. But it just sort of reminded me as we were talking of WarioWare's story mode. Yeah, and I think it's fair to say in the wake of WarioWare, um, obviously it had a it's had a whole load of its own sequels. There was a little craze for this sort of thing, a little, and I suspect there are a bunch of iOS type things that I haven't even discovered, looked into, or mentioned. Um, iOS and even Android if not, games. there'll be hundreds of iOS and Android games that are basically a micro game turned into a full yeah yeah experience. Yes, yeah, a micro transaction game. Um, Hot Pixel was another one that I remember coming out um, by uh, Z Slide um, for uh, for Atari on the PSP in uh, 2007-2008 it's actually not too bad Um, I mean it's it's not a WarioWare that's the the worst thing you can say about it is that it's not WarioWare Mm. really Mm. Um, it's a very good approximation thereof hasn't got the sort of heart and soul but then Nintendo have been making games not longer than Atari but longer than the developers of Hot Pixel there's just a lot more Um, sort of experience, and a lot more uh, references that they can throw in there, a lot more they can draw from. But um, but yeah, it's the kind of thing you see on PSP for like three quid in a second-hand place. It's worth a little. Yeah, if you've got something if, that if these are your kind of kind of game, you've got something that will play UMDs. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, of course. That's the, yeah, <laughs> obviously. And um, finally, on that front, again, uh, also on. The, oh no, this was uh, Vita, wasn't it? Next gen uh, handheld. Yes. Frobisher says. Hmm. Yeah, Frobish says it's kind of it's Warrior-esque in the fact that you know it gives you um a man in a little bow tie saying Frobisher shares, and then he he gives you a thing to do, yeah. and the description is more well, it's more descriptive than Warrior-Ware. It will tell you to fight a bear, snap the color red, rather than Warrior-Ware is just one word. Mm-hmm. Do this, do that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's a bit slower paced, but it's still got the um the frantic essence of a Warrior-Ware game. Interesting. Hmm. So when it comes to the development of WarioWare itself, we can sort of trace it back to Mario Paint on the SNES, bizarrely, hmm. because um, WarioWare really it's the entire pretty much the entire first level is based on a section of Mario Artist for the N sixty four DD. So there was a. There were three Mario Artist games on the 64DD, which was a game, which was famously the add-on that was going to revolutionise the N64, but in the end had a tiny software library and only came out in Japan. Mm. Um, had an F0X expansion kit and Dosh in the Giant and Animal Forest and da da da. And Majora's Mask before it turned into Majora's Mask. Yes, true. Yes, yes. yes. Zelda, Zelda guy then. Yes. Very good point, um, but obviously, yeah, I think a number of games like that found themselves ending up ending up on cartridge, didn't they? Because Nintendo lost um, belief in the 64DD being a competitive thing, um, and they were they were probably right. Um, history will never know, but um, yeah. So this Mario Artist series, a lot of the 64DD stuff, because it had this um, proprietary storage thing you could actually save stuff to it so rather than um i mean mario paint was a was a lovely thing on the snes but it was limited by by the hardware mm-hmm. so this uh, three game mario artist series um the third one came with a polygon studio which was uh, a yeah a make your own 3d bits and bobs kind of thing but it came prepackaged with um as uh, as creators tend to be um a mode called sound bomber 
Mm. And so uh, there are, there's a, a video of this is out there. Thank you to Nintendo Everything for being one of the only places that I could find any info on this. Um, there is a video, though, on YouTube of, of this uh, set of levels, and most of them are the first set of Wario levels from the first WarioWare. Yeah, it's it blown my mind when I saw this earlier on in the week that that was a just a, a side feature in a in a 64DD game. How obscure of a hole is that to find that? It's um, it's amazing, and the fact that you know it's a GameCube running around. Is it is it GameCube instead of Wario running around? It looks like to me. It's like um yeah, it's GameCube. got five. It's got five slots rather than four. But um, <laughs> Polygon Studio came out five days after the announcement of the GameCube, so ah. I think the two were timed somehow. To yeah, there is a some sort of <laughs> link there at least. Mm. I couldn't quite figure it out, but yeah, um, August 29th is Polygon Studios' release date, and then the 24th or 25th is when they announced the GameCube. Yes, yeah, so um, the the work was by Nintendo R and D One. Um, now they are uh, you know one of those main Nintendo studios, um, probably responsible for some amazing uh, stuff over the years that you have undoubtedly played. Um, I mean their yeah their their softography is enormous. Um, I think there's some overlap with intelligent systems as well, and intelligent systems certainly have a credit on WarioWare as well. So I don't know where the distinction is. Exactly, um, but if you look at some of Nintendo R and D one's credits, they include things that I associate with intelligent systems. Um, but maybe that's incorrect. Maybe that's just this game. Um, the director is uh, was was Hirofumi Matsuoka, who uh, is the main man, or is the main man on the first and second Wario, where uh, previously he'd worked on Super Metroid and Mario Paint. You see, um, mm. and there you can trace it back, which is very nice. The other uh, one of the other main parties here was the uh, designer Goro Abe. Um, he went on after the first one to be the uh, the actual uh, director on um, many of the sequels although not all of them there still seems to be some uh, give and take between Nintendo R&D 1 and uh, Intelligent Systems which is confusing to those of us outside Is it a bit like the uh, Smash Brothers um, like cross cross with Howl Laboratories Could be. development yeah. like, where it's it's somewhere in between and no one can quite figure out yeah. where the line is yeah, you, you got like Howl Labs and Sora, and yeah, all these all these companies under one umbrella. It is, yeah, <clears throat> it's kind of part. It's part of the reason why I find it so interesting and exciting because it's such a mystery, yeah. you know. And I kind of like the fact that the the Japanese side of game development is so kind of mystical and kind of nebulous. You know, it's just like who made this game? People, just some people made this game. Yeah, you, know, you can't. You can like you know. Thanks to the internet, you can track it back a little bit. Absolutely. It's still not still. easy, as we find. I mean, this is why, you know, I know um, we love getting into this stuff, and, and I'm sure, uh, I assume many of our listeners do as well, but it, 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 is, it is that rabbit hole that we often talk about. It's, um, yeah, I mean, th- luckily things are not as shrouded in mystery as they once were, but um, but it, it still can be tough to find out who's done what. But yes, uh, we definitely know that Hirofumi Matsuoka is the, the director of this game uh, that we are talking about, well, except for the GameCube one, which uh, Goro Abe took over. Um, and the composer, the main composer is uh, Ryoji Yoshitomi, who uh, is probably best known for Mario Paint. Um, obviously that included some work by other people including Koji Kondo but also he did the soundtrack for Metroid 2 Return of Samus on the uh, Game Boy and of course he went on to make Rhythm Tengoku and there are uh, Mm. strong uh, development links between this and the Rhythm Tengoku series which we covered on a podcast some time ago, seek it out 
seek it out do. So this game, the cartridge, the GBA cartridge version, came out, uh, there wasn't much of a gap between the original Japanese release and uh, America and then Europe. It was all between March and June 2003. One of the rare occasions we got a game before the States. Actually. Was it that way around, was it? Oh. I think uh, only by like three days or something. I think we got it the Friday, they got it the Tuesday. Oh, okay. It does occasionally happen. Uh, and then its second release was, of course, on the 3DS Ambassador program. It is not mm. a virtual console game. The Ambassador program games are not virtual console games. The Nintendo are very specific about this. The reason <laughs> being that the virtual console has to include certain uh, wraparound features um, that the system is able ca- capable of running at the same time. And with the 3DS Ambassador games, you just have to turn the machine off after you finish playing, right? Because yeah. there's nothing yeah, else right. you can do, and that is why there is no virtual, there is no 3DS virtual console on the 3DS at this point. Yeah, like originally the virtual console games, GBA games on the 3DS, they have like a save state system down the bottom. That's it. Whereas the these Ambassador games just has like a Game Boy Advanced important information screen at the bottom, and, yeah. and that's it. It's very bare bones and. Yeah, again, why haven't they put that on the actual store? I don't know. Well, exactly for the reason we just said. It's basically they they don't consider it. They don't consider the quality good enough to. Ah, but just spruce it up. Yeah, you know what I mean, like it's it's fully functional. There is there is uh, uh, speculation that the extra processing power of the new 3DS will allow Virtual Console uh, 3D uh, DS. Um, G- sorry, GBA games and possibly DS as well because of the you know the extra. You notice now on the new 3DS when you press the home button, there's virtually no pause, mm. and that's because of the extra the extra oomph behind the scenes. So it could still happen. But anyway, those ten games, I'm still so jealous that 3DS uh, early adopters got those te- those ten amazing GBA games in December 2011. But fortunately. In April of last year, 2014, um, Nintendo started releasing uh, Virtual Console GBA games for Wii U, and this is one of those. It's uh, it costs about six pounds. Are they six pounds forty nine? I think in in uh, sounds right. And yeah. so I guess that's about ten dollars in the US. Um, and it's you know they're really really nice. They look really nice on both the ha- on the gamepad and on the big screen. They're very sharp, but you can you can filter them and whatever, and you can create save states and and so on and so forth, which is very nice. At the time when the game first came out uh yeah as uh, already we already touched upon the reviews were generally very very positive um there were as you might expect a couple of naysayers because it was well maybe naysayers is too strong but not everybody uh was quite so in love most of the reviews are very strong but our games tm i remember gave it just a six out of ten their reviewer was not so enamored and i remember edge gave it a seven now an edge seven was always you know it's, it's a proper seven it's a good a good game but i think um, my suspicion is that with hindsight, they probably may feel as a, as an or, as an organ they they underrated it by edge um, criteria, but that's pure speculation on my part. Also, if you look at contemporary reviews, they do seem to be maybe like a point or so lower than ones that have been written in uh, in the years since. Yes, which like it seems to be sort of like nines and above for ones written in the past, say five or six years yeah. I think that's um, people are coming into it recognising the importance of it like you say rather than yeah and also at the time yeah. people wouldn't have known quite what it was going to go on to be and how quite innovative it was at the time so. yeah I think that's part of it and also maybe the I mean it's, it's interesting with with multiple sequels it can have can have effect in either direction can't it so it can sort of um, tarnish a franchise 
Um, but each of the WarioWare sequels pretty much has has um, been a sort of tech demo of some kind, hasn't it? For mm. for mm-hmm. you know smooth moves for the for the Wii remote and um, touched for the DS screen and so on. Um, so I, I guess people still see them as distinct. And I think the fact that this one, the ones we're talking about, the GBA and the GameCube one, they have the most traditional video game controls, which somehow fits the best with the actual scenario of the game. Which is hmm. sort of that this bunch of bizarre misfits that ma- that are the uh, the WarioWare characters are kind of sort of weird game developers in a funny sort of way. Yeah, Wario phones them up at the start, doesn't he? Yeah. And he's like, <clears throat> you know, I need to get all these guys to make a game, pretty much for me, which is such a you know a typical Wario yeah. thing to do. So I've got a great idea. I'll get other people to do it for me. Um, so we've spoken about those old older mini game collections and yeah. they kind of have from what I've noticed they've kind of got like a similar theme in that like Wario he's, he was once a villain and now he's kind of like I don't know if he's a good guy or a not, bad guy he's but, not but, really good because he's desperately trying to make it, in the GameCube manual he, he even says uh, I'll even let you keep peeking at my super secret journal to get the inside scoop on my latest scam I mean game <laughs> <laughs> and there's even got a dollar sign in the, yeah. in the game title yes. which is just it's brilliant. all about him making gold I think is, is mm. the thing Yeah. and you've also got the Bonanza brothers who are, are criminals and the point blank guys have always had a little bit of an evil look about them is there some sort of link between evil looking people <laughs> <laughs> and minigame collections yeah, yeah. yeah. Frobi- is Frobisher evil? Wow. he is actually he's, yeah, he, um, he's quite pointed and snarky isn't he at least <laughs> he wears a bow tie <laughs> must be so yeah, that was one of was one of the first things I wanted to talk about. Like the the whole vibe of the game. Um, we've got some great feedback on this later from the community. Um, the characters are all apart from Wario. They were all characters who had never been seen before in anything. Uh, well, even then, Wario had a costume design change yeah. from his usual purple yellow dungarees to a like a like a goggles. His bike goggles because he's yeah. now driving a bike. Yeah. And now he's got a like, um, denim jacket on. And he looks a lot more rugged and uh, yeah, a bit more of a bruiser. This is kind of like Wario on his days off, like where he's not starring in one of the Wario Land <laughs> yeah, games. Yeah. Chilling in his denim. So, according again, according to that uh, Nintendo Everything article, it was um, to Precy. It was almost like they apparently they were pretty much developing the game outside of Mario Artist Three in secret because it was such a such a diversion from what they normally do, and I think that's why they went for this totally weird vibe. And like you said, Dan, it almost it almost has a Slightly, I don't know. It didn't. It doesn't seem right to say it's like Sega-ish, but it, but it doesn't feel like a normal Nintendo game. It's got such a different atmosphere and mm. sort of whole, yeah, just vibe and just the color palette and everything. I mean, the the fact that it all plays so uh, crisply and um, and the fact that it obviously features cameos from dozens of uh, <laughs> Nintendo. Uh, historical IPs is is mm. the giveaway and Wario but it just doesn't have you know like when something mm. like Captain Toad's you know comes out you think yep that's that's a Nintendo game it's a new game mm. but it's I mean it, yeah that it just has that Nintendo feel and the the world looks like a Nintendo world but the all the places you go the weird isometric city the strange the strange linking um, vignettes and all that sort of thing, they just could be from any number of odd, uh, almost certainly Japanese developers. Yeah, it kind of feeds into the rumour that this game was de- de- developed in secret because maybe it was so off-key and so, you know, 
not Nintendo that they had to kind of develop it to one side and just go right don't tell the big guys that we're making this game because it's got a weird guy in it called Jimmy and he's got a massive hair and he, he dances to cats <laughs> and it's just like okay let's keep this away from my mother for now and and let's keep it away from them and then when it's when it's you know when it's more of a more of a project we'll release it to them so yeah whether that's true or not you know it's all hearsay on the internet but it kind of rings true to the the character design ethos there and just that maybe the game was even too weird for them the series uh, really kind of stopped six years ago now, pretty much, with, with WarioWare DIY. Um, game of Wario not officially being... Even though it does feature Wario with his hat on the front, um, is is not a is not a WarioWare game in the same way. No. So, yeah, it's... Um, and, and, you know, we've seen cameos from uh, WarioWare in Smash, haven't we? Uh, oh, yeah, you play as... There's a couple... No, there's one Super Smash Brothers level based on WarioWare. Yeah, where you have to actually do the mini games while you're fighting. Yes. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's just that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. And um, yeah, and they did they did another one, but it's based on Game of Mario, so therefore. But apart from count. apart from uh, you know separate releases on DSiWare of of Bird and Beans and Paper Airplane Chase, um, it's not like uh, characters such as you know um, uh, I'm forgetting their names Orbulon and Ninevolt <laughs> and you know all these people it's not like they're um, they're cropping up as, as selectable characters in, in Smash or no or, they're more like assist trophies in Super Smash like Cat, Cat and Anna in, are in Super Smash Brothers yeah I mean so, everything ever is an assist trophy in Smash so I suppose that, <laughs> yeah. but it's yeah they haven't tur- I don't to my knowledge they haven't turned up as like golfers in the more recent <laughs> Mario Golf or anything like that. They still seem no. to be living on the edge. You know, they are like the... The Waluigi, but WarioWare, like, kind of like Wario and Waluigi, they are kind of their own thing. WarioWare, or Wario, sorry, obviously bleeds into Mario Land quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we can trace Wal- all Waluigi that is... Yeah. I imagine Wal- Waluigi be, to be chilling out with dribbling spits, like, in some sort of weird offshoot corner of Nintendo. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they're just those characters that you don't really notice until you play that kind of game so you're playing a, a, a Mario game and you need you need a, a third party feel of the slot character Waluigi you're playing a Wario game and all of a sudden you do see these you know Ashley and you know like I say Dribble and Spitz the cat and the dog who drive taxis and yeah, well, yeah I wonder would would Nintendo at some point have made Splatoon a Dribble and Spitz game you know in that sort of way mm. I remember I always remember um, reading a review of the uh, Sega version of Puyo Puyo the Mega Drive version which was obviously already a big hit on various formats in Japan and I remember reading the review in CMVG and said no doubt by the time this comes over to Europe it'll be known as Knuckles Crazy kitchen or something like that with all K's of course they were so close it became Dr. Robotnik's <laughs> Mean Bean Machine and and so I, I, you know I often wonder could characters like Dribble and Spitz you know front o- their own games you know I don't know something like a Splatoon where Nintendo are playing I, I'd rather in a way that they did that they're doing what they're doing which is making an entirely new thing mm. but sometimes you expect a company to um, sort of paste one of its slightly lesser known characters on on a new IP just to on what would be a new IP just to give it that extra little leverage because people go oh I remember them the funny mm. taxi driving cat and the I mean, even with Dr. Rhythm- Crygore's brain training yeah exactly <laughs> brilliant <laughs> and, and even with Rhythm Heaven on the DS you don't really I don't know if you see any WarioWare characters and they're the two 
closest to my mind that link together. You don't really see like Dr. Krug or having a DJ session or Nine Volt, you know, doing a, mi- a mixing mini game. Yeah. They've, they've got their own obscure characters in Riven Tengoku. That, yeah, you know, absolutely. Scratch off that one. Yeah, yeah. I think there, there may be, I mean, I think you can trace some of the Rhythm Tengoku stuff back to that Mario artist uh, uh, thing as well, possibly. But um, yeah, I think maybe one of the most recognisable characters, again, because uh, possibly because of DSiWare spin-offs, is Pyoro, which is who is the star of an unlockable mini-game, um, highly playable in its own right. Um, and uh, mm. he's had that little bird has had a, um, I think, an unlockable mini-game in virtually every WarioWare. Um, any favourite characters from the bizarre menagerie? Ah, oh, the. I'm just going to go with the cliche and just say nine volt, just because every time I see nine volt, I get I get a little bit excited. But that's purely based on nostalgia. Um, Ashley is one of my favourites. Um, again, she has she has a really um, catchy song, yeah. catcher in the Japanese version. Um, yeah, and then when they added eighteen volt, I can't remember when he turned up. Mm. Uh, I think he was in a twisted uh, or something like mm. that. He was in a later game, but even eighteen volt, I do like him for for similar reasons as nine volt. But all of them all together, they all just seem to. I don't know, like, like you say, you kind of expect them to all be in their own little disco room by themselves, cordoned off from the rest. Uh, yeah, I've got... Jimmy, he, has he got a, a brother? Because there seems to be two guys of afros in the game, and I don't really understand. Is that Jimmy T and Jimmy P? Jim, that you're, you're absolutely right, yeah. I, I'd never really made the distinction, but yes, there is a Jimmy T and a Jimmy P. Um, <laughs> He's also got a little brother and a little sister who um, appear. With, there's some game where his mum and dad turn up in the background <laughs> and dance with him, and then his little brother and sister. They're like they've all got the same look. But to the thing them, is, so. if they're called Jimmy P and Jimmy T, that means they've got the same first name, not the same name. Same. same yeah, name. That's, so they're not. They're yeah. not biologically related. Different dads <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. a, and a very uninspired mum when it came to first names. Blow my mind. But yeah, he's a pretty funny character. It's also, I mean, stuff like going back now when you play um, Jimmy's mini games, um, the sort of the the, f- the front piece that links them all together uh, between every micro game. For those who haven't played Wario before, um, mm. it goes back to a screen of a theme. So in the case of uh, Dribble and Spitz, bizarrely, it's a car driving through the night um, with washing heavy rain with a wiper and 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 stuff like this in uh in jimmy's case it's uh an early 2000s mobile phone yeah flip phone and it's yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's sort of it's got its own nostalgia just tied to that now because it was mm. um yeah you know it's recognizable tech from from a decade ago and it seems sort of yeah amusingly quaint now it that said, they phones still make the same vibrating noise, uh, and, that, and emoticons never change, do they? That's true. There are emoticons. Heavy use of those. I suppose we should, yeah, try and talk about the gameplay. Now we can't possibly describe every micro game. Um, the front of the GameCube version says over two hundred mini games. Uh, you mean mm. micro games, Wario? That's what I'd like to say <laughs> to you. Uh, or maybe he didn't because there are some actual mini games in that version, but. Do the bosses count as mini games, by the way? <laughs> They're slightly longer, aren't they? Yeah, maybe they do. Maybe they do. Uh, so, there are hundreds of these micro games. Um, so, you start off the simple introduction um, with Wario, and I don't know, what are your memories? I, I just remember being baffled and not being fast enough on lots of the games. Now, I don't think that lasted long, but I think such a key part of playing these games because you know you pretty much know that everything's boiled down to the d-pad and one button mm-hmm. um does it ever use a second button possibly to make mario dash in his cameos i don't know but um i don't think you can possibly no. not 
Um, and you know, and some games do have actual D-pad instructions on the screen. Some games don't. Some games just say, you know, collect five or uh, brush or or whatever. Um, yeah, I think they're all one word. Aren't yeah, they? in yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and you never, you just, you don't know what's coming next. And especially at first, it, it is genuinely bewildering. And part of the game, part of the actual playing of WarioWare is about um, assessing the situation, isn't it? Like trying to work out yeah, what, what do I actually have yes, to do here yeah yeah it relies you know spontaneity and improvisation really it kind of expects the player to sort of be quick on their feet so the, the first screen would say like jump and then it will show you a very crudely drawn version of Super Mario Brothers with Wario automatically jumping and you see a very crude looking Goomba Stomp, walking towards right, them that one, yeah, yeah. And, you know, <coughs> yeah that's it yeah and you, you um you know you put one on one together and you do Somehow jump on the Goomba without really being told anything other than just yeah. stomp on it, and that can that can have lasted literally one one second. Um, mm. Yeah, and so you're constantly bombarded with these instructions, with these differing graphical styles. Um, the game really plays around with you by doing stuff like uh, one second you'll be driving a, a little tiny car away from uh, soccer balls, trying you know trying yeah. to try, flee, flee indeed, flee. but then. Um, one game's time, literally three or four seconds later, it'll say spotlight, and mm. you'll assume that you'll be controlling the little Wario character. And th- yeah, there's w- there's one game, but in fact you're controlling the spotlight anyway, so you're trying to keep the spotlight on on Wario. There's one game that I was pl- I've been playing the Wii U version, the Wii U ROM version, um, recently, and there's one game that still every time I get, I think, what what am I controlling here and it's ridiculous because I did play all those games until I had you know until I had ludicrous high scores on them so it's there's it mucks around with your brain and of course as as it goes on as you go through as you go round not only does the game speed up dramatically all the music speeds up all the graphics speed up but also the game modifies the micro games in any number of different ways Hmm. yeah so when you reach like a certain threshold of um you know, games completed. It'll it'll go speed up or level up, and, and then uh, the the kind of background from the main screen turns into a different color, from blue to yellow to red, to indicate it's going to get a bit crazier. And so, for example, if you're playing the the balloon fight, I'm going to use you know more traditional Nintendo yeah, games. Here, but sure. if you play balloon fight, for example, you know what to do. They sort of flap your arms to go between the sparks, and you know if it if it's a blue screen indicating easy, there'd only be a few sparks. But then if it's yellow, there'd probably be more, and then on red, they'd be moving up and down and just be a bit more in, uh, you know, intrusive. And some of them really throw deliberately throw you for a loop. So there's one, for instance, where Wario is waiting at a bar and he clicks his fingers for a drink, and the early slow version of drink comes down, still quite quickly, but it slides down and and you have to press the A button to time to put his hand out to catch it. But a few a few speed ups in, and he clicks his fingers and one glass comes from one direction and then stops halfway and then another glass comes sliding down from the other direction and things like this it's quite I, I still get um, amused and surprised by the variation and I think one of the key things for me about the whole experience is that it's it is funny like oh, it's, it's absolutely hilarious yeah. um, one personal favourite of mine is the Wario's just standing there in a darkened room and it says jump and you'll hear like a and you're like what's that and a potato on wheels will come <laughs> flying towards you and you think well that's hilarious but then when it gets harder 
you hear the same noise, right, I'm ready for the potato, and it's a shark on wheels, and it'll jump halfway through the five-second transformation. It's five seconds. and Or they'll stop halfway, like, oh, and then you've already yeah. jumped because you were expecting yeah, yeah. it. It's, it, does, it does so much with so little. And uh, that's just the, the, you know, once you start laughing at this game, you know it's won you over, and you don't really mind failing because it is five seconds long, and, you know, you, you're straight back in the action almost instantly. What I find now is having played uh, played the original GBA cartridge to beyond, well beyond completion and having played it again recently is that I find it so easy to, even though despite what I just said, I stand by that, that there are some games that still get me and some things that still trick me. It's very easy to put on, once you've, once you've completed it once and, and been through the game, you start to unlock some extra modes, some tough modes and some a boss rush and various other things. But you can still go back. There's various ways of score chasing in this game. And one of them is to simply play the character's level over and over again so when you first play it you get to the end of however many stages it is 10 or 15 and then you move on in the story such as it is to the next <laughs> set of characters but once you've played it once it becomes a score chasing game um, there's another type of score chasing we'll talk about later because it's quite a different experience but in this case you have, you've got your original score that you set completing the game so 10, 15, whatever it is and then you basically you're going through the levels again and again and again and it wraps around and wraps around and the bosses get harder and the games become more frantic but what I find now is because I've played the game so much is that I can very very easily and quickly get up to scores of 40 plus hmm. which I remember thinking were like really fast and hard back back uh, back in 2003 but now it seems um, yeah it seems quite doable um, yeah, and once you go into the individual games, um, playing those over and over again, it becomes a very different thing. But, um, I mean, did, did you... I know that we've got some correspondence from, and I know I remember working with somebody who was well into unlocking some of the, the stuff and, and high-score attacking those, things like skating board and paper plane. But did you get into replaying characters' levels just to try to get, you know, get the next, you know, state 40, 50, 60 kind of that sort of high score attacking yeah that meta game was kind of what the game was all about to me yeah. um, unlocking the entire grid and then uh, going in and trying to get your little uh, is it a flower oh, okay yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll probably get to that later but um, yeah that was kind of the whole the feel of the game for me wasn't the, the story or anything it was just the unlock everything that's it uh, compulsion well you have to have played all the uh, games on the uh, on the main branching yeah, line to play them in the uh, in the in the in the grid, as we'll call it, where you go mm. off and play the individual game separately. So there's actually that there's actually that impetus to play each character over and over again, and eventually, because you, you can check see what games you haven't unlocked because mm. there are question marks panels, so you know that you need to keep playing until they come around. Yeah, and that that for me was the reason why I kept playing them again. And yeah, again. I'm I'm not really one for high score attacking myself yeah. and you know the, the GBA being what it is it didn't have online and it didn't have friends le- uh, you know you're playing yourself yeah. that's it yeah and I never really found that exciting to me but the fact that there was a greyed out box on the grid I was like right I've got to see what it is and uh, yeah yeah, I did keep playing it over and over again. Especially when, especially when it's nine volt, and you know that there's uh, there's some there's some yeah. some NES or SNES game you haven't you haven't seen in action yet. One thing I've noticed playing it again now is that the um, I I don't know if this changed as the series went on, but um, nine volt is not the only character who has games that are obviously related to old Nintendo games. There are various ones that crop up. Um, he might be the only one who has. 
actual bits of Zelda and actual, you know, where you have to mm. go in the door a bit, and a bit of F-Zero uh, on the SNES where you have to just go up the track for two seconds or whatever. But there are other bits, um, you know, bits of Mario and, and things like that elsewhere, actually. So Yeah, you'll see um, kind of a modified version of the original Mario Brothers on the Atari, you know, that kind of single-screen multiplayer game. But it's kind of, it's kind of different. It's not a complete... Nine Volt seems to take the whole thing of one screen of Zelda, whereas, yeah. so let's say Wario might have um, an Excite Bike style level, but it's not using the art style completely. Yeah, it kind of right. borrows it and the essence of it. Whereas Nine Volt is literally that's just right, a, yeah. a, you know a screen grab from Zelda, and you play that one screen. Yeah, there's lots of generic retro nods as well, like um, the sort of like shoot. Well, it's just a sort of random space yeah. shooter that could have been any game from a certain period of time. Yeah, sort of Astro Wars type. Uh, yeah, uh, ship at the bottom, shoot up at the alien space invaders type thing. Yeah, there's quite a few of those sort of little things. Um, obviously, there's a, there's a, a Virtual Boy um, section, mm. which again, just lasts a second. Um, but also, yeah, just other other game styles that not even so like there's a putting one which you know it's modifier is that you get farther and farther away from from a smaller and smaller hole um amusingly even though it's a putt uh that when you hit the ball it makes a driver sound which, <laughs> which is, i don't know just tickles me um when that speeds up later on, uh, you almost it feels like you haven't got enough time when you're yeah. first trying to get the higher scores on that. It's like it won't even get to the hole in time before the fuse is run out. I actually think there might be some of those that when when at the score attacking on the grid, I think there are some that become impossible. Uh, literally impossible. Yeah, I think yeah. it, I think it can get to that stage. Um, one of the stomp one, for instance, you don't have it, you don't necessarily have time to stomp all three. Um, it, when it yeah, sometimes it comes in on uh, when he's landing for the first time, yeah. and you have yeah. you won't have time, and then he's up in the air by the time the fuse yeah. is gone, so you wouldn't yeah. have a, your second chance. But somehow, <laughs> who cares? It's funny. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's um. Oh, I don't think anyone else thinks this, so it's probably just my like Sega. What's the word? Um, like uh, when you recognise something just because you're looking for it. But um, there's the dodge game in Mona's list, which is like a motorbike. Yeah, um, top down one. Um, to me, that looks like action. Yeah, it fighter, does. No, absolutely. That. Yeah, like it's got the lorries that look yeah. almost identical. I, I've always wondered. Hang on, is that a nod? But what a, wouldn't it be a weird thing to to have a nod? No, it to, definitely looks like it. Can't see what else it's. Yeah, no, I totally be. agree. Um, and and it's interesting because there's also an Atari VCS looking game which is almost identical. Um, yeah, but that's uh, yeah, that's that's just they just like even the graphics are even more you know even more blocky and the, and there's a slight difference in in movement. Well, it nails that Atari eight. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the 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 the. I think the all the the Nintendo stuff is almost pixel perfect, isn't it? I mean, there's there's the odd tweak and the odd um, thing, you know, alteration. But really, it's like everything Nintendo in there is instantly recognisable. But there's also a lot of non sort of. It's not necessarily all. NES or SNES stuff there's um, other things that Nintendo have made over the years like the Famicom keyboard um, pre- you know press a letter within three seconds um, on a QWERTY keyboard there's the little light gun uh, dude that you shoot over by shooting his heart oh yeah yeah the cowboy yeah, I'm yeah. Pre- pretty sure that was a Nintendo toy that's an odd yeah yeah definitely Rob the robot's in there as well and you um, yeah. press, press the button yeah well the hoover is an old Nintendo hoover yeah. I think as yeah. well isn't it yeah <laughs> Um, and there's uh, oh god, what was I going to say? The um, yeah, the boss level for Nine Volt is I I don't know what that's based on, but it's uh, so it's a kind of it's a it's a pit, it's a baseball pitching machine. 
Mm. Um, and you swing your bat to time it to hit the ball. But I don't know if that was a physical toy or a. Yeah, it was a. It was an actual right, physical okay. toy. Yeah. Um, if you look it up, it, it's. Um, I can't imagine how it, it can't, can't have been much fun mm. or <laughs> how fun it would be. But um, yeah, it's like a small little baseball pitching game. For kids. Excellent. Um, yeah, and there's always one. Um, I think this continues throughout the series, uh, but there's one stage um, is it or is it always Ashley or always Mona or is it both of them where the instead of the I mean one of my favourite things about the WarioWare experience is the sound design the um, not just the individual you know the tunes for the levels which often last you know a second or two mm. but it's the it's the it's the jingles the jingles in between levels are just genius um, and they just ramp up and ramp up the tension. You've got these completely berserk voice samples shouting at you all the time, um, and they've sort of got like you know like '90s rap records stuttering in them, and they're all heavily treated to sound. Uh, how would you describe what is this sensation? Is can either of you describe this better than me? But it's like a it's like a sort of symphony of lunacy. It's like just a collage, but all the samples are so sort of um, not detuned, but like so heavily compressed. It creates this sort of like weird yeah. um, mesh between them all. Like there's um, a lot of white noise going on just because of the low quality of lots of samples all at once. It's, uh, that's quite cacophonous, but in like not not in a bad that's, way. Yeah, that is really interesting. Playing it again, uh, again through through um, TV speakers and um, well, not a TV speaker through a cheap home cinema setup, but also with sound on the on the gamepad. It actually seems to. I think the sound still works slightly better on the gamepad because <laughs> it's got that slight. Even though the gamepad sounds probably better than the GBA's GBASPs was, it's got that. Um, where it is condensed somewhat mm. and I can only assume I mean this cartridge this tiny GBA cartridge I know they got even smaller and you can get you know micro SDs with insane amounts on now but back in 2003 the little GBA carts were little miracles as far as I was concerned because you, you had these basically these SNES quality games but on a cartridge mm. that was like an eighth of the size and this cartridge has got so much stuff on it, even though, yes, a lot of the animations deliberately super stylized and very simplistic. There are so many assets in this game, so many different screens, so many bits, so many sprites, so many things that I assume that that sound can, you know, uh, compression that you're talking about was probably a byproduct of the fact that the cart is just absolutely heaving. I imagine so. And there, yeah, and there's stacks of music as well. Tons, it's not like. Yeah. Um, there's yeah a paucity of it it's like just stuffed with like you say just stuff yeah jam-packed it feels like a big toy box that you're opening isn't it yeah and it still does it still absolutely maintains that to the point that as I say I I got it like last April on virtual console and I've been just you know because I completed it back in the day I haven't been caning it as hard although I got to the end again since then I've just been you know just it's it's a great game to just stick on while you're you know doing anything else um and so I was playing it last night uh, in preparation for the podcast, and I just I unlocked something else. I lo- unlocked another mini game. I unlocked Fly Swatter, you know. And and there's still more to unlock. There's still spaces on that grid, uh, on the on the on the top grid to unlock more mini games. Many some of which I can't even remember. Um, but I know that you know if I keep playing, keep doing stuff. Uh, I don't know the unlock conditions, but I know that basically if you keep playing, you unlock everything. So yeah, and there's something so exciting about seeing a fake loading screen that loads in Wario's new programming kind of game that is just designed. It's kind of like you know it's not real, 
But there's something about hearing that blinking, ding, 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 and you see the little progress bar fill up, and you think, yeah, I'm going to get a new game. Why? I, I don't know, because you played the game some more. Um, <laughs> if, again, it's that kind of the mystery behind WarioWare in its, you know, in its scattershot kind of art style, because it is all over the place. And it kind of fits like yeah you've got a new thing why who cares just play the game anyway <laughs> just crack. yeah it is it's just chaos but kind of contained chaos if you know what I mean it never really gets too far out of control but it gets to the edge uh, more than enough times I guess what I wanted to try to explore a little bit I, I really don't like um, the whole play, playing devil's advocate thing um, generally but as a way into some discussion about this, I was talking earlier referring to the fact that a couple of reviews were less than glowing about this. Can we individually or collectively empathise with those people who actually think that these games are you know, not greater than some of their parts? They, they are just such a distillation of basic video game gameplay of D-pad up, down, left and right and pressing a button. They're so simple that can you under, can you empathise with people who just wouldn't enjoy it because of its utter kind of banality or simplicity? It, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because the, the games themselves aren't really that fun to play, but because it's so chaotic and mental, you you kind of forgive the just how basic it is, purely designed on it just throwing loads of curveballs at you all the time. It's it is ADHD the game, you know. It's just kind of just constantly just throwing things at you to distract you from the thing that you've just done that isn't that exciting. But because you're already moving on to the next one, mm. you're you've instantly forgotten what you've just done and you're thinking about the next one. So I think if you are to take each game as an actual game itself, are they that fun to play? Some some probably are, um, but yeah, some of them are really simple, and I could probably understand people's not fear of playing it but like uh, bemusement of playing it because it doesn't tell you anything on how, how to play it at all really like when you when you boot the game up it i don't think it really tells you the controls it just mm. kind of expects you to know the controls so when wario is clicking his fingers at the bar and you have to press the a button you're never told that you're never really you know you're never really explicitly told that on screen and I, that's kind of the reason why i like it because it is just so bonkers but i can definitely understand why people don't like playing the, the um the GBA game yeah. or the game I mean I, really I, because... I don't remember coming across personally anyone who's ever said oh I hate WarioWare but you know no but I can see I have played it with people before you know uh, across the whole spectrum mm. of Wario games and they have they have the, a similar design philosophy and the fact it's just crazy people just go oh, I, I, yeah I don't really want to play it because I don't know the rules and like when it flashes up the word crunch and there's yeah. a, a set of teeth in front of you they're like well what does that mean yeah. and you're like <laughs> and there's an apple and, flying about <laughs> and you haven't got any time to explain it to anyone no. because it, like, you've already passed the thing on to the next person and it is <laughs> people yeah it is kind of a, a Marmite game from experience when I've had like you know, yeah. a big room of us playing because it's just like yeah can we play a more sane game please <laughs> you know can we go back to Nintendo land Dan what do you think I think until you mentioned Darren the, um, the multiplayer uh, example I hadn't really thought I was thinking well who couldn't like it and all I could come up with was people that like couldn't play say Dig Dug or Pac-Man for 20 minutes like people that just don't like those old arcadey experiences but then as you're saying with multiplayer yeah the the confusion with someone who doesn't play games who doesn't have that language of games in their head Mm. um it maybe does become just confusing and and awkward um which I guess we'll get onto in the next bit and it just made me think yeah for me I can see if it's a multiplayer experience people would get confused with it whereas for me the game 
it's probably more of a single player thing so I didn't notice as much of it yeah that that point you make it was exactly the next thing I was going to bring up the idea that a lot of the stuff that the likes of us three here would take for granted um, which helps us get through a lot of the levels you know from where it's literally a bit of Donkey Kong so we know exactly what it is even though it's slightly altered because you can't move and, and whatever there are bits of games that we recognise but also like you say the language of games um, I mean most I guess most human beings alive today will recognise that if you are playing a video game and there's a, sh- a ship at the bottom of the screen pressing fire shoots up but then it's confusing because sometimes there's a ship that you have to press the thrust button it doesn't fire a laser and, and stuff like this but even with the with the non-obvious ones um, you know even as as experienced gamers there are still plenty of levels that you know you've never seen anything like it before in a game you know so I suppose you know uh, yeah like the cat so there's a there's a, there's a fairly realistic for a Game Boy Advance uh, <laughs> game picture of a, a lovely cat and it's a, it's a bit dozy and it says is it sleep the instruction sleep, yeah. yeah so yeah. it's it's closing its eyes and it's just about timing getting timing the button pressed to, so with the animation frames when the eyes are closed but again would would something like that make more sense to a to a experienced gamer just you know the you're almost doing something to like almost street fighter esque in a weird way in that you're t- timing a button press with an animation frame mm, yeah. and do would would it benefit us because we've got all that experience and we think um and or does it actually slow us down because we're thinking so much about it whereas somebody who never thought about that and just sees a picture of a cat and a sleepy cat and goes sleep is it almost could it almost be a hindrance thinking about the game the the gamey part of it i don't, I don't know perhaps i'm thinking <laughs> about it too hard <laughs> there's um there's a clear example for me in that for most of the game uh jumping is the button A. You you, you press that button and yeah. Mario will jump. But there's always one game that throws me off, and it's a it's kind of hard to describe. It's, there's a guy on the left. He looks kind of like Mario. He's got a red cap yes. on, but he kind of looks like a human at the same time. You know, yeah. whereas Mario's shape isn't really human, I guess. Uh, he's kind of tall, slender guy. And then on the right hand side, there's like a dinosaur, and he shoots stuff at him along the floor mm. in the air. And I can never remember if Ace to jump as this guy <laughs> or up because the controls are so weird and. I think there is a little bit of inconsistency there, either in my brain or in the game design, that makes me think, well, is it up to jump here or is it A? And yeah. Even, even I can get a bit flustered. Well, that, that one's unusual in that, um, th- that particular scenario with the, with the, Mar- the tall Mario S guy and the, and the monster is that there are several different games with that exact same setup. So you've got, um, Beam, which gives mm. you a, it's basically a QTE, isn't it? it so it'll say yeah. up, up, left, left, or whatever, and it'll fire a beam. You've got Repel, which is the one that confused me when I was playing the other day because I'd forgotten about it, which is actually where you just, all you have to do is hold right on the D-pad. Mm. And then you've got your uh, Avoid one, which is the one you're talking about, um, which is like a sort of Kung Fu Master, Spartan X kind of scenario. Um, I don't know if that if that particular stage, like visually is, or audio visually is based on anything. It looks like it ought to be. But, um, that's there's not that many of those where you get multiple different instructions on the same visual is there yeah it's a bit of an outlier like yeah. the, the most similar one i can you know resemble it to is kind of urban champion in a way that there's two guys opposite yeah. each other fighting and urban champion has more of a consistent um design philosophy in WarioWare and the fact that you wait for the guy to put his fist down and you punch him in the in the hole yeah yeah that's very true 
So yeah, the other way of score attacking, we've already touched upon this, but I think it's worth talking about. Um, when you've done everything else, really, is I suppose is, is when this becomes a thing. Exactly as Dan says, uh, when you've probably unlocked all the um, all the mini games, all the micro games, you can go into a uh, a grid of all the games, um, and there are lots. And if you get a score, certain score. I suppose this is like the equivalent of beating the staff ghost in Mario or something like that, isn't there? There's a, there's a, there's a score that you must attain to get a flower. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you are playing, for instance, one of these micro games. For instance, uh, moving Link into a door, uh, and it just plays the famous Zelda fanfare. And if you are playing this game for a high score you may do this sort of I can't remember what my high score would have been on this but maybe something like 120 times in a row <laughs> with the music getting faster and faster yeah it's it's mad now it's, it is maddening but in the yeah so this is what I want to talk about this because I did this on my original cartridge I got all the red flowers I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say you did as well Dan yeah, I bought a second cartridge <laughs> when I saw one cheap, just so that I could keep my old one with um, the, the flowers on, and then start afresh on the new. One. Right, uh, Darren, did you do this, Darren? No, no. Um, no. I, I I always reach a point, and I think, you know what, I'm not good enough, and am I going to put the time into getting good enough? No, it's kind of like um, rhythm heaven as well for me. I'll get the golds, but then I'm very hit and miss on the perfects. You know, yeah. it's kind of like, yeah. oh, okay, I'm, I'm good at this one, so I get the perfect. I'm rubbish at that one, and I, I'm not going to bother. But yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see um, the, the completionist and people definitely going nuts over it. Because it's quite, as we say, it's quite a different experience, isn't it? One of the one of the key things, the the really the thing about WarioWare is, particularly this first game, is just the the amount of variety it's throwing at you. Um, even within one character's set of levels, you've you're gonna. Uh, I can't remember how many they've each got, but it's a spread of I don't know, fifteen, twenty, thirty. Not sure. Um, but part of the game is immediately understanding the instruction and then acting it out or remembering after a while it becomes more about a memory test um, than than an understanding thing so to go into one of these games um, like picking your nose with a finger that's going from side to side or any number of the hundreds of other games to play it over and over and over and over and over and over again in a row is a weirdly sort of it's so simplistic at this point and it is slightly maddening but it is also hypnotic but is it a worthwhile <laughs> video gaming experience I, I was never sure Dan what made you do it twice you crazy person um, well I haven't actually done okay. it twice I've only um, yeah I've only started yeah. on the other one but um, I think it was just uh, I think I can't remember a time before this where I played something that had had that sort of meta game yeah. do you know what I mean where unlocking was part of it and then once unlocked, getting the high score on all yeah. of those. I I can't remember a time when I found that before. Um, almost like a Skinner box design in a weird way. Do you know what I mean? It's mm. uh, and I find that those games really compelling now. So I can kind of see that it was probably the um, the first time I played something that really played to that um, compulsive sort of addictive edge. I think so. It was literally just a compulsion of like I need to get flowers on all of yeah. these markers, or I haven't played the yeah, game properly. I, I like, felt exactly <laughs> the same. And the weird thing was that. I certainly of of all those many many games there were certainly some that lent themselves much better to being played over and over again in that in that way than than others 
Um, some of them were just so simplistic or occasionally a, a, fe- a little bit arbitrary feeling. It's almost like a parody of the uh, sort of arcade experience. So you know that uh, sort of Tony Hawk's like press uh, pause and then restart and then start the level again. You know yeah. when you get into that sort of yeah, loop yeah. Or on, on any of mm. those games um, or 1080 or whatever you've played where you restart when oh, you've made yeah, a mistake. Yeah. It's kind of like a distillation or a parody almost mm. of that experience. Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing. I think that's what, what WarioWare is, a distillation of video gaming, isn't it? It's like the word that came to mind for me, even though I don't know if it's quite right, but in some ways it in, in the modern catering parlance, I think you'd call it a deconstructed video game. It's like they've taken all the different component parts of games and and put them on a plate separately or something and yeah but then they're also completely mashed together so I don't know if there's, there's any mileage in that whatsoever but I think something that relates to that um, is you know um, we were talking about has it got like an intent is it a Nintendo feel or not a Nintendo mm. feel I think it kind of comes comes down to that almost um, like say the Mona stage it would have been so easy for them to make that a game and watch looking screen yeah. But they've made it like a sort of tiger handheld or work, like one that you get from the motorway <laughs> yeah, services. Yeah. Like, um, whereas it could have been a ge- like it's sort of being purposely uh, not Nintendo and maybe purposely like thumbing its nose at the gamer at the same yeah. time. Sorry, I hate to use the word gamer, but you know what I mean. The person, I mean, literally the player. In yeah, yeah, sense. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There are a lot. I mean, obviously, actual uh, gamer watch uh, type graphics do make a cameo appearance, but yeah, there are, as we say, there are lots of different nods to different things i mean there's yeah it is just it, it it's it is like the result of a of a of a of a spitballing session where they just you know everything anything that anyone said is in there so you know it's got you know drop an egg into a pan that's in there of course mm-hmm. that's something you do in, in real life thread <laughs> a needle is in there that one annoys me just as much as trying to thread a needle in real life um but also, yeah, like, yeah, different bits that allude back. As you say, like, there's even a bit in there that might remind you, if if you're that way inclined, of a Sega game in an action fighter. You know the dribble and spits boss? Like the little yes. shoot 'em up Oh, yeah. You know the little boop-boop bonus sound? Is that from something? Because I find it really mm. um, sort of reminiscent, but I don't think it's from... I think it's just that it sounds like a very old sound Yeah, effect, I think but it's a sort of one. generic sound. But yeah. Sure. But yes, I mean, that's a great example. Like, I think that's my probably my favorite of the boss bosses uh, I could play it to the cards, exactly because it it's just again it's just a a perfect distillation of a vertically scrolling shooter even though it's very simple <laughs> it's very brief it it plays like a good one of those you know a good example of the genre that can the ship is crisp to control uh, the bullets fly out you know there's enough is enough rapid fire you get all your power-ups within like 10 seconds or something um and yeah, ultimately it, it does, you know, again, because Dan and I both played that over and over enough times to get the flower. <laughs> and there is a point where you, you could think, oh, could have some extra stuff. But then, you know, they in one of the sequels, they did put a Pioro vertically scrolling shooter, didn't they? So it's like you think, oh, there's, there's not enough to do here. And then, you know, but there is all this extra stuff, which makes you forgive the fact that some of the games are quite, yeah, quite limited and whatever. As you touched on there, the fact that the controls are in almost every game are 
Nintendo exactly. quality. Even if they're just this tiny, mm. you're playing it for like three yeah. seconds, but it still has that sort of Nintendo seal of approval, yeah. uh, tight control. Yeah, the responsiveness. Um, you know, yeah. yes, it has to be obviously within within the time limit. Apart from those odd occurrences where, as I say, I think there are you know as you'd expect within those games, there are a few which are slightly less successful. I think the one that you mentioned. Darren, the the avoiding the fireballs and stuff, um, the sleepy cat one can be a bit frustrating, um, and uh, yeah, there's a, there's a few, but generally, yeah, even things like when you're just tilting a fire hose to put out a fire, and the and the you know the sort of uh, the rope of of water beads that you have to uh, angle to to put out yeah. a fire, it just feels perfect, doesn't it? It's like mm-hmm. again, if you were blaming, if you were ever blaming the game for failing a three second mini game. Um, or you know, if that was happening the majority of the time, you'd just stop playing, wouldn't you? It, it has to feel right. It's crucial. Even snapping those little, snapping the little tweezers on the little birdie <laughs> creature that makes the cute noise when you catch it. I have no idea what that thing is, but every time I hear the noise, I cre- I just crease up. <laughs> it's, it's so like vib ribbon esque looking. Yeah. And there's another one where there's like a little lizard on the floor that's just eating shapes. <laughs> It's just so simple, but every time I see the the, the bare bones looking games, it just makes me just ah, yeah, burst quite a few just bits of luck. yeah, it's quite a few monochrome levels, aren't there? I like the fact that um, there's there's a, a tiny uh, segment of a in one of the micro games of a of a Nemesis Gradius style horizontal scrolling shooter, and again that's done in it almost looks like a Spectrum conversion or something like that. Yeah, it's got the uh, that color clashy yeah, look. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and it is definitely Gradius as well. You know the little yeah. things that are shooting at you. Um, that's a definite nod. Isn't sure. it? It's not just yeah. a, a yeah. random turret. No. It's the it's the same shape. Definitely. Um, so once you've driven yourself mad playing the actual micro games, um, as we say, there there are there are a host of unlockables. So you've got the you unlock these uh, pig heads. Uh, I don't know no no idea why they're pig heads and why they're in front of a chalk uh, chalkboard elevator. Uh, that's how I see it. Anyway, um, there's yeah, like an yeah, yeah. Yep. there's an easy and thrilling uh, version of those. Those are re- basically a fun fun time one and a really hard one. And then there's the boss rush game. Uh, I think there may be another variant. I'm not not sure. Um, and then there are some of these uh, unlockables, which are seemingly simple little um, throwaway distractions. But actually, I know some people who got um, a little bit uh, obsessed with some of these, so we have uh, we'll, we'll hear from somebody who played skating board um, quite a lot. Um, my memory is that uh, I was at work in when it, whenever it was two thousand three, and a colleague of mine said, "Oh God, I can't get this. Um, I can't get past this score on Jump Forever that they they wanted to get." And um, she said, oh, "I've been playing it for hours and hours. I'm driving myself insane." And I said, oh, let's have a go. And I did it first time. And she was so angry. <laughs> Just raised the bar a little bit yeah, higher. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, yeah. what an insult. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's Paper Plane, which is where you've got a paper plane um, diving down the screen, smooth scrolling screen, and you steer it left and right um, mm. past. That gets so, so difficult, hard. but I love how difficult it <laughs> yeah. gets. And it's sort of, it's not, it's not physics, but it feels like it's got, aerodynamic physics of some kind it's got a a funky swoop to it it's kind of it's kind of satisfying to get it round the bend and that's that's the reason why I played this one more than any other because because of the um, yeah the left to right swoop that the paper plane has it's it's hard to describe yeah Yeah. it's well satisfying 
There's a perfectly serviceable version of the ubiquitous <coughs> Dr. Mario called Dr. Wario, of course. Um, or you could pay like 18 quid for the version that's on Wii U <laughs> shop, or you could just unlock yeah. it in Wario. It's not exactly the same, but. Um, that's the thing. These are the kind of thing that could be like four quid, like the Kirby little mini games yeah. they're selling, you know, and there's just like tons of well, them. Well, they did do that with the Pyro games, didn't they? They did release them as DS. Yeah, correct, yeah. Um, there's uh, Fly Swatter, which reminds me of that um, it, that weird, was it Gottlieb, uh, Exterminator coin-op with the two hands? Oh, yeah, you yeah. Used to, you used to point, all, point into the room and kill all the insects. It's a bit like that, only much, <laughs> much, much more simple. But it, It's from Mario Paint, isn't yeah, it? Is it? Oh, okay, yeah, I wondered yeah. if it was from something. Excellent. Um, so that's you know that's all part of your package, and some of those uh, some of those uh, can get their hooks into you in their own right. And then there's this uh, weird set. Remember, this was on the GBA, and I don't think any of these use the link cable. Uh, they all controller share. Yeah, all yeah. on one one yeah. device. Yeah. yeah, it reminds me of micro machines on the Mega Drive, where you share a a very tiny a pad thing yeah. between two sets of yeah, hands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very cumbersome, but kind of fun at the same time. So there's a game where you both, uh, you hoof a little character towards the edge of a cliff, and yeah, you... Yeah, they are Frunk, I think they're called. Are they? The little, Is that what they're called? Yeah, the little Lego-looking guys. Oh, I didn't know they yeah, had a name. They're ah. Frunk. They appear in all of the games so far, as like side things yeah. that you kick around and beat up. And there's a hurdling, uh, sort of decathlon-style hurdling game. It's not a button basher, it's a timing timing jumper isn't it you've got uh, Chiritori which is based on <laughs> Nintendo Hoovers obviously <laughs> and Dong Dong which what what is it you do in Dong Dong um, okay so you've got um, <laughs> three there's three blocks in the middle of the screen separated by a sort of a little bit of screen space and then each player one on the left one on the right has this sort of pokey prod that can prod the blocks uh, yeah, but you need to get it yeah, three yeah. steps and knock it onto the other person's head and they can knock it back by the time your donger. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the donger goes up and down uh, just in regular time. You can't control that. All you control is when it pokes in to mm. get the block. Genius. Yeah. I probably didn't explain that very well. It's a yeah. hard. It's such a simple game, but it's yeah hard to explain what you're really doing there. But um, as a two-player game, that's superb. We've had night. We've. I think I've played that for like hours and hours with yeah. people. So, um, buoyed by uh, WarioWare's, uh, prob- probably I, sus- I suspect it did better than Nintendo were expecting. It sold in total uh, around one and a quarter million copies um, on the Game Boy Advance, which I, I suspect was probably none too shabby. Um, I could be wrong about that, but it did well enough. It surprised me when I looked earlier, yeah. um, mm. because it's a handheld game, and... Yeah. I don't know. There was there was a lot of other stuff around to spend your money on at the time. You know, this was yeah. a and while the GBA um, it was a, it was a big year for games. Yeah, and while the GBA was was popular, it wasn't DS popular. You know, it wasn't it wasn't sold in that those kinds of numbers. Was it even original? It wasn't original Game Boy or um, I suppose better than Game Boy Color. I suppose. Yeah. But, um, no, but it, no, it didn't. Yeah, I, I don't think it ever did as well as the GB or the um, a, a DS. Yeah. But it did well enough for Nintendo to, um, you know, presumably with uh, a, a fairly, you know, a fairly cost-effective exercise, they brought it to the GameCube. I have it sitting here in front mm. of me. It came out in Japan in October 2003. Uh, Euro, uh, USA had to wait 
six months until April uh, the next year and Europe we had to wait until September 2004 but it was fully localized for Europe and uh, had a 60 Hertz option and all that sort of thing the reviews weren't quite so kind for this um, generally they were a little lower um, in in the uh, mid 70s is the sort of game rankings average rather than the uh, the high 80s of um, the original game um, so I think this version pretty much has everything that the GBA version had in it but it's presented slightly differently but really the main thing about this uh, the, the subtitle was changed to Mega Party Games and that is what this in my world exists for it's uh, a multi it's a local multiplayer festival Ooh. this game lives on my epic shelf for exactly this reason um, I've only ever played it with four at a time but you can with controller sharing or using Game Boy Advances as controllers have up to 16 people which I'm sure would be um, a riot but this uh, hangs all those micro games around a set of uh, frankly a brilliant genius perverse set of um party games yeah what else what else can we call them they're party games so uh some i think some for me were the ones we always return to uh, we'll talk about my absolute favorite last um but some of the uh some of the highlights for me were wobbly bobbly uh where you play micro games and in between you have to balance a stack of uh, ever increasing turtles <laughs> on their backs. Mm -hmm. uh, there's the very clever Milky Way Delirium, which involves um, sort of taking control of uh, a grid of planets and um, sort of make, trying to make Connect Four style lines, and um, and it's whoever has the most um, the, the largest amount of galaxy sectors at the end wins. Um, except it doesn't because there's a really stupid random bit right at the end sort of Mario Party-esque uh, that ruins it um, Out of My Way which is the one you you referred to earlier I think um, mm. those which is where you simply the other characters um, are simply in control while one player is trying to play and they just move them all over the screen to get in the way yeah and press buttons to make them grow yeah. and shout obscenities at, well yeah. Nintendo obscenities at the screen yeah um, <laughs> Cardi Cards which is just awesome um which is uh it's based around the the, the old uh, e-card reader the nintendo add-on for the gba which you could get um stuff for uh animal crossing and things on it in the game you didn't need a you didn't need an e-card reader to play the game this was in fact about um while your <laughs> while your opponent is playing the micro game in the middle of the screen you are off nicking your other players cards from the edges of the screen <laughs> Uh, which I which I adored, but um, the one that I have the fondest memories of. Um, there are there are more, but the one for me, um, and I played this with the same group of people uh, every time. And this was when I used to drink, and there always used to be lots of alcohol. Uh, listen to the doctor. So uh, this would be me, my girlfriend Tanya, um, and my dear old friends Pete and Dorian. And listen to the doctor is. Um, <laughs> It starts with each of your characters lined up in the waiting room. Um, this is not a simultaneous game in the same way that the others are. Uh, 
you will uh, get moved to the front of the queue. You go in to see the doctor. The doctor uh, is just a freak. He reminds me a, a little bit of the one of the odder characters from one of the more recent Zeldas in that he's got mm-hmm. kind of... Um, he's just weirdly drawn and animated in a very a deliberately jerky style. He'll give you an instruction and the instruction is to be used in real life. It, I suppose it was a precursor in some ways of that game. Was it the uh, button? Was that the game where they... Yeah. And, yeah. and things like that. So um, the doctor will say something like, while mumbling some words or while explaining a dream or while mooing like a cow or while posing like a bodybuilder or while breathing through your nose or or there are there are lots um while screaming a name you like and then the per- you have to play the micro game um it doesn't partic- i don't think it particularly matters if you fail because uh, the game is not the judge you, you, the rest of the players are the judge and then at the end of you, your micro game it is up to the rest of the players to give you a round of applause with the A button. Uh, and at the end, I, I assume it just tallies up the number of A button presses by, by the end of the game. But it's just it's just brilliant. Um, so it's especially good if you've got some people who aren't normally that extrovert. because uh, And that, that probably includes me um, and certainly my girlfriend um, having to do really stupid things while playing a really silly game. Mm. And then, and then waiting for the round of applause at the end. Now, if you if you play with like-minded people, you'll all throw yourself into this and play fairly and honestly. And when you, if you really nail the micro game and also the in, the doctor's instruction, you will get a full round of applause from your friends, a proper clap, 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 clap. And but when it's really good, when like if somebody doesn't enter into the spirit, who won't, you know burp a song while they're while they're doing it or whatever you get this kind of <laughs> sort of slow hand clap or whatever at the end and even that becomes funny in itself um i just love it it's one of my favorite multiplayer games of all time i think i'd still enjoy it now even without the alcohol but it certainly i've, did ne- I've never seen this before like this is a section of the game that i've never oh even my goodness into. yeah and being a local multiplayer uh, you know you have got to play. wheel this out you're gonna have to yeah, get on that happen, yeah definitely um it kind of reminds me of a precursor to the Wii version of WarioWare where you're doing stupid yeah, stuff with totally the remote. Yeah, yeah. it totally This looks brilliant and I'm going to do that as soon as I have people Oh, you must. I can't believe is, uh, it. Have you played, yeah, did you play any of the other multiplayer stuff on the GameCube version? Yeah, I was a big fan of the the turtle one because the better you got the more turtles. Yeah, wobbly bobbly. Um, and then the other ones we just played, Just I don't know why we just played them, but just because they were there. I think... The reason why I never really got into this awesome-looking doctor-looking game is because they kind of hide them away from you, and you have to unlock them. And by the by the time oh, I got the, that, the GameCube version, I wasn't really up for for unlocking more. You said earlier it structures the game differently in the fact that so, when you turn yeah. the GameCube one on, it asks you to do like fifty games at, at the start, oh, it does, and then yeah. it, it gives you um, loads of different categories. But like you have to do more of them to unlock the next one, and you kind of want it to be like how Rock Band is as of late. It's just like here's everything it would in one be go. Now. It would be now, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Just, just unlock it. Uh, just unlock it for me, and then I can find it and play it myself. Um, but yeah, like my CRT's still ready to go, and my GameCube's underneath it. So we are definitely playing this next yeah. time. I've still got my GameCube. I don't have a CRT, but it you know it's, it still absolutely functions um, through a SCART lead. And uh, yeah, the, as I say, Epic Shelf. I bought this day one, and um, it's one of the games that I would never sell. 
because there's always the chance of a multiplayer session. Um, yeah, Dan, did you get this? Yeah, uh, I got it really close to release, but I could never talk people. People, it, I think, like Darren was saying, it's too confusing for people that haven't really yeah. got it, and they kept wanting to play, say, um, Smash Brothers again or Monkey Target. Nothing I, wrong with that. I wish to get. I used to say no, <laughs> no, not at all, but. I never really got a chance to actually explore the multiplayer mm. of this too too much, really. And then there's no story mode, is there? So, no, I mean that's yeah, says, that's the bit that's been sort of ripped there's out. There's not really any single player, other than high score attacking, just sort of going yeah. yeah. Which, uh, as Darren says, I'd already done. So I assume that simply because it was released so close to the GBA one that they didn't want to tread on that one's toes by, you know, porting the single player stuff over wholesale. I think it's kind of mm. a shame, um, but it, you know. Uh, it, kept me going I'd, I'd sold my GBA cart at some point and kept the GameCube version because I knew that I could at least play all those games in some form but I was happy again when it came to Wii Virtual Console so I could so I could play again but yeah for me it's just it, it lives alongside uh, things like Saturn Bomberman you know as a mm. as an absolutely essential go-to local multiplayer game you know sadly a thing that is done less these days and perhaps it seemed um, more seemly when I was in my I was only in my early 30s <laughs> instead of my approaching mid 40s but yeah I'd still I'd still play it um yeah I I think I'm yeah I I was going to say about um you know people getting and not getting so the people I played this with always the same people um you know all gamers to some degree or other um Pete was you know very familiar with WarioWare Dorian uh, is somebody who games has gamed sporadically his whole life and Tanya has is is one of those people who games a little bit with a few games and plays them really 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 hard until she gets insanely good at them but I do remember having those conversations particularly with with Dorian and Tanya with the you know the the micro game comes up and it's like you know what am I supposed to do and by the time by the time uh, they've said that it's over um, but listen to the doctor kind of take some of that out of it because it doesn't matter if you've messed mm. it up it's not like you're you're working on lives or anything but that said we did also play especially once um everyone had kind of got used to a lot of the micro games um we moved on to the uh the the space based one with the um you know the conquering the solar system and all that because people could actually you know target certain games and and whatever so let's hear from some of our community uh who have posted on canerince.com slash forum uh do remember uh, dear listeners that we always want to hear from you about the games we talk about so please try to remember to drop by the forum in advance of recording so we can share your experiences, thoughts, recollections criticism neg- negative, positive uh, we love to have as much of it on the podcast as possible so uh, do drop by Sonuckles uh, did such and says WarioWare is one of those rare games that my fiance loves playing almost as much as I do. It's so deliciously weird yet completely accessible that I'm a little surprised that it's not more popular than it is. I've had plenty of get-togethers where everyone ended up gathering together around WarioWare and abandoning their shooters and standard party games. It's just a really fun series that focuses entirely on gameplay and gets so much of it right. And next up, Glenn Watts, Mr. Flabio says, when I think back to the release of this game, the thing that always surprises me is that it's a Wario game and not a Mario one. There's no real reason why it couldn't have been Mario and his supporting cast in this game. Mario's gone karting, played tennis and golf, and been a doctor already, after all. Maybe Nintendo thought the anarchic style of the gameplay didn't suit their flagship character. 
Maybe they simply didn't want to take the risk with the crown jewels of their empire on a game that was definitely an experiment and one that could have flopped massively. Whatever the reason, going with Wario allowed the creation of a new cast of characters to act as support for Wario, and it's all the better for it. Wario isn't backed up by a princess and her lackeys, but instead by oddballs and misfits. Mona is never going to be an amiibo, more's the pity. Jimmy T is never going to appear on lunchboxes. Everyone here is an actual character with personality and motivations, most of them just out to make a buck or two to get by. Wario himself abandons his purple Mario outfit and gets to actually be his own man, rather than just an evil palette swap. I'd much rather have this lot in Mario Kart 8 than the Koopa Kids, that's for sure. Nice, uh, a love letter to the characters. And finally, Matthew Plater, a.k.a. Map Map. He says, I think I say this about a few games, but as someone far from the seaside arcades, WarioWare Inc. on the GBA really was the nearest experience I had to an arcade-styled scoreboard rivalry before online leaderboards. With me and a friend diving between modes to destroy each other's high scores with an extra heated summer of the standalone minigame skating board, my final score stands at 231 if someone wants to challenge me, I'm not sure I can properly pull apart the game anymore, as it really is a series that is in my bones. Everything about the game is so frantically demanding, but stripped back to avoid confusion, while wrapped in a style that will confuse, chortle and tug at some really weird Nintendo heartstrings, my perfect pocket send-off to Nintendo's pixelated years. I devoured all the other games in the series, especially Twisted, and moved on with the creative team to the Rhythm Tengoku games, but the simplicity of the first game keeps it in a special, warm place in my nose, with two fingers shoved inside. (laughs) Terrific stuff. Mm. Thanks, everybody. And also, we always, on the day of recording, usually, uh, ask our Twitter followers, at Rince to uh, review the game in question in just three words and as you said Darren never more appropriate than for a game of three second micro games Hmm. Uh, we'll start with Dan Uh, Anders Russell says actual Nintendo innovation Wanyul says where's 3DS sequel Glenn Watts says hurry up Mona Joe Scrabbles Wario trumps Mario Lee Garbutt Pure microgame brilliance. Duncan says wobbly bobbly hilarity. And finally, Stuart Neal says too much fun. Too much fun. Yeah, I'm sure we can all agree with that. All right, let's wrap up with our uh, condensed feelings on, in three seconds, no, um, on (laughs) WarioWare uh, Inc. Made in Wario, the first WarioWare and its GameCube sequel, starting with me. Me, I like WarioWare very much. Um, I think going back to it, thinking about it, researching it has uh, made me realise it's one of those where where I've actually realised that my affection for it remains and lingers. Um, I have played most of the games in the series since that we're not covering, um, so I certainly um, wasn't uh, driven away, despite being driven slightly mad by playing some of those uh, micro-games to distraction um, for the the red flower, the virtual red flower, the things we do in gaming. Um, am I tempted to do it again on the Wii U GBA uh, virtual console version? I'm not sure. But um, I've enjoyed going back to it these last few days or the last year when it came out and, and again recently. Um, 
as for recommending it, my hunch is, I was going to look this up, I haven't, and my hunch is that buying a GBA cartridge is probably quite expensive. Um, mm. They often are um, hard to get hold of, certainly with their original box and whatever, because they were in those cardboard boxes. Uh, you might find a, car, a boxless cart for, for less. Um, but I would really recommend, I, I'm sure many of our listeners now have a Wii U, I really do recommend picking up the Virtual Console version um, for the money. It is uh, a bargain, and um, I think it's one of those games that's worth sampling, even even if you only play through the story one time just to see kind of what it's all about and experience it. It's it's a little bit unlike anything else other than all those games we mentioned at the start. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, no, it's, uh, yeah, I'm very fond of WarioWare, and um, yeah, I think it represents, yeah, that 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 three-word review about innovation is true. Even though, as I say, we we found some influences and and things like that, and it stems back to another thing. Um, it, even ten, eleven years on, it's hard to imagine Nintendo taking such a punt as this. Uh, maybe maybe more so in the maybe they'd do something like this in in downloadable now in the eShop but um, but this was when you know they bashed it out and they said look here's a here's a big release here's a cartridge review this and, and it did well and um, yeah fair play Darren yeah uh, yeah the GBA version of WarioWare it, it comes as a huge surprise to me even as someone who was looking forward to it and slightly perplexed by it mm. it was kind of like what is this and you end up playing it and you know coming away from it thinking yeah I could I could do with another one of them definitely it's definitely um, a, a Moorish experience even now like even after so many iterations of WarioWare games you're just like where's the next one where's the next one yeah. and it's not it's, it's purely because of just how unique it feels despite it being a mini game micro game collection it, it kind of feels like it's it's own thing and I'm surprised that no one you know, with the recent rise of independent developers, has tried to tackle that straight on. You know, like I'm surprised there's not at least one person out there who's gone. You know what? I'm going to do. I'm going to make a WarioWare game because when you say WarioWare game, you kind of it has its own rules and it has its own McPixel. You know, is that yeah? Is that yeah. along those lines? Uh, Mick, Mick, yeah, McPixel's definitely along those lines. I love McPixel, and I totally forgot. Is that in the same ballpark? Do we? Yeah, I mean, Pixel's got less... It, it relies more on randomness. It's, it's more random. It's more even more chaotic than WarioWare and kind of feels maybe unfair because of it. And even though you're not supposed to care about Pixel and its, um, mm. its weirdness, you know, you're supposed to just experiment like a point-and-click game. You're supposed to click on a tree and see a bear having a poo in the woods mm-hmm. and you think, oh, okay, that, 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 that happened. Whereas WarioWare's got um, a win and a lose state. Yeah. <clears throat> and so is McPixel, but to a lesser extent. You know, McPixel's like, you failed, next! And it doesn't really matter. Whereas WarioWare mm. has a has a competitive streak it's to it. It's a game. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, um, yeah whereas McPixel is, you know, it is a game, but it's not a really competitive one, despite having similar features. Um, but I'm quite, yeah, like, even then, I'm still surprised that there's not more of yeah. them. And, you know, the, it, and it must be quite tricky to make... 200 games in one yeah. thing a compelling experience like WarioWare's got to have done something right for it to be so playable and the fact that it meshes all these art styles and sounds and control mechanics un- under one roof is 
yeah, it still boggles my mind when I see claymation moles popping out of holes, and then it goes to Mario graphics, and then it goes to like weird polygons, and it's it's such a weird game. And you could probably complete the game during the time this podcast took to record, but that doesn't don't let that stop you from exploring the whole gamut of WarioWare from start to finish. I, yeah, it's brilliant. I want more. Lovely. And to conclude with that, uh, Dan. Um. I can't recommend it enough. I mean, it's one of my favourite games of all time. So rather than just sort of wax lyrical about it, which I think we've probably <laughs> all done quite a lot yeah. of so far, um, just something odd to think of for people is that the game is about the making of the game. I think you're supposed to buy it as if it's a game made by Wario. It's well, as it's called, made by Wario in in Japan, right? Made in Wario, but that's made a delicious Wario. piece oh, of grammatical but... nonsense. Yeah. Um, but the the conceit is that it's a game made by him, and the the story of the game is the making of the game, right? That him and all his friends are making all the mini games yeah. that go mm. into what you're playing. Um, but then, weirdly, right? This is the cool bit that, um, as Darren told us earlier, this was made at Nintendo, kind of behind mm. closed doors. So you can imagine like three people starting working on it, and then uh, if you read an interview with with the, with the team that made it, what they did was each. Each individual micro game is made by one person. They took ownership of everything to Excellent. do with that. Like they made those themselves. Uh, so you can imagine, like the three people that started making it, maybe going around the office just as Wario does, and saying, "Hey, we've got this um, thing we're working on. <laughs> do you want to make like a, a five-second game to go in the game? I don't know. I just love that there's like um, and then." when it come round to showing it to the Nintendo bosses they're like look you're going to think this is weird but what we'll do is we'll make a story mode <laughs> that makes a joke out of how we made it and then it'll all make sense to us at least it'll just be this like funny little joke um, but yeah the fact that it all kind of ties up like that it, I just I, there's a um, just an oddness to it and like you say f- uh, you, you said you're fond of it and I think fondness is about the best word that I can bring to it you know it's um it's like a love letter to Nintendo, but a love letter to us. And then playing it and get, devoting your time to unlocking all of that stuff feels like your love letter back to the people <laughs> who made it. You know, it's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, um, go and uh, at least sort of, if you haven't played any of the series, find one and lose yourself in it. Just because it's, just, yeah, it's not like anything else you'll play. Yeah, absolutely. No, the, the, the high recommendations are absolutely fine and uh yeah i think we're all of a oneness on that um you know two listeners uh tony was also um intending to come on this podcast unfortunately he wasn't able to get the game played in time he may have uh, i don't know i have no idea he may have uh, brought a slightly more critical voice but uh but there you are we've um we've delved into the warrior wear thing we all like it so there it just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank uh, our Darren uh, and also our returning guest, Dan. Have you got any um, agitprop stage plays or um, you, uh, avant-garde art you want to promote this time? When is this going out? Uh, a week Sunday. Oh, cool, cool. In that case, uh, anyone that's listening that lives in <laughs> Suffolk, uh, on March the 13th, we're doing like an awesome event at the John Peel Centre. We've got some like uh, really cool bands and then we've got an open mic section early in the night. So yeah, come to the John Peel Centre and listen to some... When is that? For free. Free entry. It's uh, Friday, March the thirteenth, uh, from about eight o'clock. Free entry. So yeah, okay. Come along. If you're listening to this podcast after that's happened, don't, don't, don't go. Don't this go. is 2015. <laughs> um, yeah. Someone with a ho- hoverboard might be listening to this. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. And with that, uh, it just remains for me to tell you that next time 
in issue 166. It's a rare foray into the time-intensive world of JRPGs, with the one where time is the operative word. Chrono Trigger. Until then.